Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Mind Your Love, a podcast about taking action on your mental health. I'm Jason Byrne. I'm with Irish mental health charity TurnToMe.ie, who besides helping us with this podcast, provide professional mental health support online, free to everyone in Ireland. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mind Your Loaf with Jason Byrne. And joining me is Dr. Nicola Fox Hamilton, and she is a cyber psychologist. Is that right, Nicola? That's right. Cyber psychology researcher. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it. There's always an extra bit. Every time I interview somebody, they go, there's three more words, Jason. Just three <laughs> more. I go, oh, for God. So you, can you give us a quick background on like, I mean, because I, I went to look up like what you are, what you did. And you, you're, you're a lecturer. You're qualified in Wolverhampton. You're like, I mean, you've got like doctors, everything. So what's what is your background? Just real quick. Um, so originally I trained as a graphic designer and when the recession hit, I decided to go back to college um, and add something to my existing range of skills. And I discovered this course, the Master's in Cyber Psychology in the Institute of Art, Design and Technology, IADT in Dunleary. And it sounded fascinating. And so mm. I started that course and absolutely loved it. And so completely changed direction with my career. Um, which wasn't what I originally intended, and went on to do a PhD from that, um, which I've been doing in the University of Wolverhampton and finally got it this year. Um, And what I... (laughs) I Um, But cyber psychology is a fascinating area and people love finding out more about it and talking about it because it's part of so much of our lives. Yeah, because um, I was going to ask you, like, what is it? Like, it's just, it, like, to me, it sounds like something from Doctor Who, like Cybermen. <laughs> I'm just thinking Cybermen. So it's like, yeah, what is it? Um, it certainly starts great conversations when you say it. Um, <laughs> it's basically everything to do with how we interact with technology, the effect of technology on us, how we interact with each other through technology. So all of our behavior, our thought processes, our cognition um, in relation to or in the context of technology, which is huge. So it's everything from how we use social media, how we text each other, how we use virtual reality, artificial intelligence, um, all of these kinds of things for all different kinds of purposes. So even within virtual reality, there's lots of uses of virtual reality for helping people overcome problems with their mental health. So uh, treating phobias or treating um, schizophrenia. There's also lots of training applications. Um, There's also lots of pure research that goes on into, you know, how we perceive the world. There's lots of treatments for people who are suffering from eating disorders and anorexia. So there's a huge range within each of these areas. It's a massive, massive field and absolutely fascinating and changing all the time. So you're saying that basically uh, this is how, is is this the layman's terms, basically how the internet can help people? 
Is that what it, it is? Essentially, like, yeah. It was looking it at how the internet can help people. It also looks at some of the negative effects of yeah, you know, using technology. There must be uh, loads so, of pros and cons. Absolutely, yeah, there is. Um, we tend to hear a lot about the cons in the media. Mm. Um, so, you know, you see headlines like um, screen time is like cocaine for children and things like that, mm. uh, which is absolutely not true. Um, but well, there are okay. definitely, definitely pros and cons to lots of different aspects of technology. My particular area and what I focus on is how we communicate with each other and okay. how we present ourselves online. Um, so the image that we create of ourselves online. And there is a huge perception that we create a very false image online, that we're all lying, we're all super positive and our lives aren't like that. Airbrushed. Airbrushed, <laughs> yeah, completely. And that, you know, young people these days are narcissists because they're doing this. And all, again, very, very negative perceptions of this. But all of us all the time present an image. Um, when we're out and about, when we meet new people, when we go for job interviews. Yeah, the time we're presenting a particular image of ourselves it's just what humans do do you mean um, like uh, like people put on a front so you're not actually getting the person or i mean not we just necessarily like, okay so, so so if if you think about you know when you go to a party you might dress well because mm. you're looking forward to seeing your friends and you want to create a positive impression because they've put on a party okay. um, you, or maybe you're looking for someone to date or something like that. And so you try and create a positive impression. Usually we're trying to create a positive impression for other people to like us or to think about us in a particular way. Um, and we do that online and offline. And most of the time we're presenting ourselves. We have lots of different facets to who we are. We're not just one person that is exactly the same in every situation. Mm. Um, so if you were presenting yourself on a first date, you might make a considerable effort to look well, to you know, do your hair, to dress nicely, um, and to create a positive impression of yourself. In a job interview, you might do something similar, but you might do it in a slightly different way. Mm. Meeting your friends, you might do something similar, but you might give them a little bit more of all the sides of who you are. So you might express some of the negative stuff going on for you that you might not do on a first date. So it's just an aspect of ourselves. It's not that people are putting on a face. Um, they're just presenting a different facet of themselves in different situations in a way usually that's appropriate for that situation. So do you mean like their profile accounts, like and how they're yeah. like what the pic they put up and all that kind of stuff? Because yeah, I do hear a lot of people going, "Ah, oh, they probably don't even look like that. That's probably not even them, or that profile, that's not them." I mean, yeah. is that what you mean? Like, but, but but are most people pretty honest when they do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so most people are pretty honest, particularly in social media, because most of the connections we have on social media are actually people we know in real life, and they will call yeah. us out if we're not being who we are. <laughs> that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. Your mate's going. Uh, that's, uh, that's not yeah, you. That, that photograph's not quite right. <laughs> Or you look amazing yeah. in that photo, but it doesn't actually look like you. <laughs> um, in other situations like online dating, which is a big area that I research, yeah. um, there is again a perception that everybody's lying and that nobody looks like they're, they do in their photos. And again, that's not quite true. Of course, there are some people who are definitely lying. And actually about half of people are lying at least a little bit, but mostly about small things. Yeah. Um, and nobody's willing to admit that they're lying themselves, but they pick up on everybody else's little lies and get really annoyed about them. So they're much more forgiving of their own because they have reasoning for it, you know, but they don't understand that other people might have the same reasons for theirs. But how can you tell? Because I know when, it, when, when people go on online dating and they see the profile, is, 
is there some sort of uh, system that you can see, like when you know when people are are actually not telling the truth, like uh, a little bit like like profiling. You know, when you profile somebody uh, and they're in a room and there's a cop looking at them and it's their body language. Is there something like that in their profile that people can look out for? Or? Not really. I mean, we all, when people look through something like a dating profile, you look for red flags. So things that really stand out as as not seeming right, not feeling right. Um, but there's no way of knowing. Profiles are incredibly poor for identifying what somebody's actually really like. And that was actually what my PhD research was on, wow. looking to see how we can tell what somebody's personality is like from their dating profile. So I looked at how people express their personality and what they say about themselves in order to express it. And it's not very consistent, so it varies a lot. And then oh. whether other people were able to accurately detect that person's personality, and they're really not, like absolutely not able to. Um, which means that, you know, you get a sense of somebody from their profile and then you have a conversation based on that sense of them, which because of our human psychology and our cognitive biases tends to reinforce what we already know. Mm. And then we meet them for a first date. And most of the time it's not successful because we haven't actually got a very accurate perception of them. It's one of the failings of online dating sites is that they're very poor for this. Um, and yeah. so when you, and one of the things that might've happened quite a bit over the lockdown is normally we would talk to somebody for a short period of time and then meet them for a quick date. Yeah. And you get a sense pretty quickly of whether you're interested or not. With lockdown, people were talking for months or weeks at a time. Which oh my God. Only, so, yeah, it so exacts they're, communi they're communicating for so long. just And are they just typing to each other? They're not even physically talking? or which It way? depends. Some people, lots of WhatsApp messages. Some people, phone calls. Some people communicating through Zoom and other video um, chat platforms. Some people getting more creative and going on dates to the zoo and other places virtually online and things like that. But even still you're getting a sense of what somebody's like that's reasonably accurate, particularly when you do video, but mm. you haven't met them face to face. And that's probably the most important thing. For... Yeah, because that's our natural instinct, isn't it? We're using exactly. this kind of feeling and you're kind of, I'm not really comfortable in this person's or this person's great. I'm getting on really well. Because you yeah, kind of have to, yeah. and again, it's all about body language, isn't it? It's how you're both acting across from each other and you can see it and feel it. Yeah. Oh my God, and yeah, and woo. But yeah, yeah and it's, it's probably things like pheromones and everything, like oh all that God. stuff that builds up for chemistry. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it really works, but other times... Mm -hmm. When you're talking to somebody online, there's a thing called hyperpersonal communication. Oh my God. Particularly with text messaging. Um, and basically what it is, is that you start off with a positive impression of the person, say from their dating profile, because they put their best photos up and their best face forward. And then you're communicating through text and you don't have a lot of information to work with. So you tend to fill in the gaps with positive information. And so you're basically creating this picture of the person based partly on what they're sending you, which is edited because they've had time to write to you. It's not face to face where you've got to react very quickly. Um, and you're sending them back positive information and so on. So you're creating this feedback loop. So all those gaps that you're filling in with positive information, that stuff isn't necessarily real. And so it builds up quite an idealized impression of the person. So the longer it goes on, the more idealized that impression can be. And mm -hmm. if you go on too long, the gap between your impression of the person and reality is so big that when you meet, even if they're nice, yeah. you're probably not going to like them because the fall is too big. Oh my um, God. So, so generally meeting quickly is much better.
So there must be an awful lot of stress on people now, you know, because, again, I hate using this, but of course, when I when I was younger and I met people, there was no online dating. You just kind of met or you met through friends and that's all you did. And so, I mean, my own sister has used online dating. And of course, when it's when it started off, we were going, oh, it's not safe. Oh, my God, you're going to get murdered. Oh, Jesus Christ, don't, you shouldn't do that. And um, and it was she was quite stressed all the time. So is there any way that, you know, to ease people's anxiety, like when they're approaching the whole thing? Um, people kind of go between finding it quite fun and exciting and they get quite like a lot of anticipation about the idea of dates and they also find it incredibly frustrating and it can cause quite a lot of anxiety for people Mm. i would say the main thing for anxiety is that you meet people in a public place in a very low investment situation so like a coffee on an afternoon where you can get out of it very quickly if it's not working Mm-hmm. Um, don't set up a huge big dinner date with someone that you're not sure about because <laughs> it's quite, you got to sit there for a couple hours looking at them eating, which isn't ideal. Um, yeah. But it also causes anxiety in other ways. So men and women experience online dating very differently. Um, women, when they sign up, if they put up a profile picture that's in any way attractive, will probably get quite a few messages. Um, very attractive women and younger women will get quite a lot of messages. Those messages tend not to be great, though. The, like the mm. average first message on Tinder is 12 characters long. Not words, oh. characters. So it's basically, you know, hey, what's up? Okay. Um, which doesn't tell you a lot about the person. Now, if you've got 200 of those coming in, you're going to be very aggressively filtering them for the best possible people that you want to reply to because you're not going to reply to everybody. Yeah. Um, and that, on the other hand, means that men are sending a lot of messages all of which are mostly which are very short, and they're not really getting any replies. So they lower their standards and they start writing to everybody, even if they're not interested in them, because they just want to get a response. And it can make them feel like they're very unworthy and that nobody's interested in them. Everybody on this dating site isn't interested in them. They must be unattractive. And so they're just trying to get a response that can sometimes lead them to sending really bizarre messages or unpleasant messages because all they want is a response. If they've been sending so many out, they're not getting anything back. Obviously, that's not a great approach either, Um, but it can lead to that. Whereas women are getting so many messages and they're filtering so much and their standards get higher because they've got so much choice. And it's this vicious cycle um, that doesn't really work for anybody because then once women start talking to the guys they're not really interested. They may have just messaged them just to get an answer from somebody. So actually the research shows that the best thing that women can do on a dating site is to search for men that they're interested in and write to them. They are much more likely to make a connection and everybody's much more likely to be happy with that connection. They get a better quality of partner and men are just as happy with their quality of partner. Um, So that's one way that women can kind of take control over the process a bit. And is there certain sites, that, I mean, is there certain safe sites, like popular ones that could be, I mean, I, I, I've never used Tinder, right? I've never seen it, but I've just heard like that one's a bit of a nightmare. Do you know what I mean? That that's yeah. kind of for you. Is it? So what I'm trying to ask is, is there different age group that need to head to different type of sites? Um, I would say like, and people of all age groups use all different kinds of sites. Mm. Um, like there's people who are 70 on Tinder. Um, it does tend to skew younger, though. Um, whereas things like um, OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, those kind of traditional dating sites, particularly things like Match.com and eHarmony, 
tend to skew a bit older and they tend to have this idea about them that because you pay for them, Match.com and eHarmony are paid sites, that people must be a bit more serious and there's less messing on it. Same okay. with Plenty of Fish is free. It's a website, but it's free. And people have a, a definite perception that it's less serious and there's a, a bit more messing going on. And um, it, it's not as serious as Match.com. Oh, my God. And what's, I've seen you talk about this. What is uh, interpersonal attraction? So that's just like whether or not we like somebody. So it oh. can be romantic or not. Um, so that feeling you get when you meet a new friend or a new person and you think, oh, I really like this person. There's something mm. about them that I really like. That's interpersonal attraction. And that can be romantic in terms of I fancy this person, but it could also just be, hey, this person seems really cool. I really like them. But you know the whole stress and all, because um, I'm on social media uh, and um not the dating thing, obviously, but I just have them on social media because I kind of have to be. And I do see a lot of stuff like with Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and uh, and especially now, right now. I, um, I've had friends of mine that have just had to stand up and come off social media because they can't take the negativity and the pressure of it all. Yeah. I, 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 and I have a 13-year-old and a 20-year-old. and I'll talk to you again in a second about I just want to get a bit of your experience in the gaming world because one of them is mad into it. Mm. But... There's an awful lot of pressure on young people, isn't there, on, on, these, uh, on these platforms? Um, yes and no. Uh, yes, there is some pressure to be on there because everybody else is. Mm. Um, most of them want to be on there because everybody else is. Um, and the research, the research is a bit mixed. Um, there's been some terrible research on social media, which has... Um, you know, said that it's like cocaine and blah, blah, blah. And that's really, really terrible research. It's not really worth discussing, but it gets a lot of press. Yeah. But actually, there's a lot of research that shows that people being on social media can be really healthy. It provides them with social support. Um, they make new friends. They maintain their relationships with old friends. It, it can be really positive and really healthy. So it helps with loneliness, I suppose, people who are lonely. I mean, yeah, when you think about it, like years ago, if you were lonely and you're on your own, that was it. You were just yes, no way to talk. Exactly. And I mean, people talk about, you know, my kid comes home from school and they're on their phone all the time. When I came home from school when I was 12 or 13, I spent the whole time on my phone, physical phone, two friends, landline yeah. phone. Before that, it was talking on the wall outside the house for hours. I mean, kids have always spent hours and hours and hours talking about absolute rubbish with their friends. But the main no thing different. is hours and hours and hours away from their parents. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> like, even when I was a kid, and not my kids, and everybody, they don't want to talk to your parents about a lot of stuff. You're like, oh my God, puke. I don't talk yeah. to you about sex and bad stuff and everything. I'll find it out off other people. Thanks very much. But, yes, <laughs> Especially okay. when they're teenagers because they're trying to assert their independence. And so they're going to find a way to do it. And it happens at the moment to be through technology. And mostly that's absolutely fine. Of course, there are some problems. And if... It, it really depends what you're doing on there. So if you're connecting with people, talking with your friends, maintaining those relationships, it's generally quite good. Hmm. Um, if you are just observing, so there's some research to show that if you're just looking through Facebook or Instagram, you're not interacting with anybody and all you're doing is comparing yourself to what you see there yeah. and you're not putting anything up yourself, that's quite bad because it's the act of putting stuff up on there yourself makes you realize that you edit things and you present quite a positive impression. When you don't do that, you think that everybody else's life is real and, and is exactly like it is on Instagram. And you don't realize there's another side to it necessarily. But when you interact with people, that's one way to 
um, actually help maintain good mental health and to reduce loneliness. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But what gives people the right uh, in and what kind of me- what kind of state of mind are they in when they let's say they get on Twitter and just start attacking somebody? And so, um, yeah. So, so I'll just tell you. Here's just have a thing. Um, I remember Kira Kira Kelly. Uh, she's on News Talk saying that she was uh, at a at a at a charity event and a girl came up to her and said, "Oh, can I get a picture with you?" And she went, "Oh yeah, no problem." And took a picture. Then she seen the girl uploading it and then seen her profile and realized that that girl had been viciously bullying her and send her death threats and she went oh my god are you this girl whatever and she went yeah yeah i was just trying to get a few extra likes anyway enjoy the party <laughs> wow but like what is i mean is because in in her head she didn't care what she said about people she just wanted more followers more likes so, so it's, it is it's one of the really negative parts of the online world and one of the reasons for it is something called online disinhibition so, you know, when you drink alcohol, your inhibitions are lowered and you might do things that you might not do offline yes. in a different but similar related way. When you go online, your inhibitions are lowered for different reasons. So obviously it's not chemical like it is like with alcohol, but because you can't see the people that you're communicating with. So you've got different levels of anonymity from complete anonymity in something like Reddit, maybe to Twitter where you've got invisibility. So you Mm -hmm. can't actually physically see the person you're communicating about or with. So you can't see their reactions. You don't have eye contact. There's this de-individualization where you forget that the person's an individual and you just see them as part of a social group or a a sort of a a non-humanized being that's online and not a real human anymore. And you forget that they have human reactions and feelings and emotions. And so people will say things and behave in ways that they wouldn't offline. It's why that Kira Kelly story is surprising that the girl actually came up to her and Hmm. admitted to it, um, but probably didn't think it was that serious because Kira Kelly is not only a person online who, who she doesn't know, but is also a famous person, which makes the person even less humanized in some ways um, because they've got a different level of, of fame to, to regular people. And so they might be less likely to um, mm. pay attention to serious things like death threats or bullying. But what, what do we say to people who are kind of vulnerable online and they are kind of getting attacked for putting up a picture or doing something? Should they ignore the people, like unblock them or like what? It's, it's kind of like, like, and especially if they're in a group of kids and the other kids are kind of attacking them or whatever. It's just like, what should they do? What could they yeah. do? Because they don't want um, to go offline because then they won't know what's happening. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So if it's a group of kids, that's very different to someone who's, say, an adult on Twitter. Okay. Um, if you're an adult on Twitter, block, report. If it's serious things like death threats, report it to the guards, definitely, mm. or the police. Um for kids, it's really difficult. Um, and cyberbullying is one of the, the biggest negatives of technology, I think. Because with regular bullying in schools, at least when the kids go home, it's left in school. Um, but with cyberbullying, they tend to take it everywhere with them because everybody has their phones. 
they don't want to tell their parents about it because they're afraid their parents will take their technology away from them to protect them. But of course, that's actually a punishment because they lose connection with all of their social support and their friends that they do have. Um, a lot of the time, most kids will talk to a friend rather than another adult. Yeah. Um, and so I think the best thing that can happen is if, if you're a kid and your friends are telling you that this is going on, or if you see it going on, is to tell someone who can do something about it. Because the kid may not be able to tell someone themselves, but maybe you can you know, reach out and, and help for them. And to offer support to your friends. Block people who keep doing it all the time. It's difficult when it's within a friend group, within a WhatsApp group, something like that. Um, but if something is really ongoing over time, then you do have to step back from that. And, yeah, because, uh, because because as a parent as well, like kind of, and they do have their phones and their phones mm-hmm. can reach anywhere. And mm-hmm. like, um, I remember uh, my, one of my son who's 20 now, but when he was about 14 or something, we put this block on in the house on the internet and he just laughed at us and went, what? He just went around it and got back in again. <laughs> yeah. And I went, what? And he goes, oh my God, dad, that's like the most basic block. Where'd you get that? So like, and as parents, I mean, uh, okay, so I'm Captain Worrier. I mean, is there a need to worry that much? And is there any signs we should watch out for? Like, uh, you know, and and, the, and look, this is this is too many questions. So choose what you want. And, and there's a whole time, to- like too much time on their phone. Do you know what I mean? Is there any such thing as that? Or is that just a makey up thing that too much time? It's, it's kind of a makey up thing. So mm. like doing what is the question? Yeah. Um, this, but this is the thing. We panic because we go, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what yeah. they're doing on there. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And do we just need to trust our child and maybe sit them down once a week and then just see maybe if they'll, what, what they're up to? Yeah. I, I think having a conversation with them continuously is the best possible thing. So knowing that, knowing roughly what's going on in their life, knowing that they will come to you if there is a problem. So an openness, knowing, letting them know that they will not be punished if something happens online that they're uncomfortable with. You're not going to take their tech away from them. You're not going to stop them seeing their friends. Um, You know, that they're free to come and talk about stuff that's going on. So most kids are quite resilient. Um, Even with things like someone they don't know contacting them and saying something sexual. Most kids go, I didn't really bother me. A small group of kids, it affects them. Mm. And the most important thing is that they're able to come and talk to you and that you're giving them help about how to deal with stuff like that. So even before it happens, saying, you know, this sort of stuff sometimes happens online and this is the best way to deal with these kind of things. And if there's anything that makes you uncomfortable, just come and talk to me and I'll help you through it. And you're not going to get punished for it. Even if you were on a site that I told you not to go on, I'd rather you came and talk to me. That's the most important thing. Yeah, um, and- but screen time as a whole it's really problematic because it's meaningless. They could be spending 18 hours a day on a porn site or they could mm. be talking to their friends. Yeah. You know, they're two entirely different things or they could be researching something for a school project or watching TV on Netflix. I mean, they're all entirely different things. Um, and so it's about what kids are doing and how they're doing it and how it's making them feel. If they're spending a few hours chatting to their friends on Snapchat and they feel good about it, that's great. But if they're being bullied and they're miserable, then that's not great. So it's about what they're doing and how they're engaging their time. And one thing I found out where just it was my solution, because every kid is different, is if you can't beat them, join them. Yes. So <laughs> I found a really good tool because my 13 year old is a, is a gamer and he's a Fortnite. He's mm. absolutely amazing at it. And this was what I first of all, I went, he's on it too long. Oh, my God, Jesus Christ. But during the lockdown, He's made, he's, I've seen him standing up and just walking up and down the room. He's just talking to his friends. He's not actually even playing the game. Yeah. And yeah. so it's a lovely, that's a lovely thing, lovely uh, mode. And then sometimes I'll sit down and I'll play with him. 
And by that, and with that, uh, he sends to talk to me more and tells me what's going on in the game. Yeah. And then I might just, just on the sly, I'll go, oh, who's that? Because his name crops up. And he goes, oh, that's just Michael. He's from Britain. He's great fun. And um, they're very, I mean, people may not know this, but they, they're, they're 13, but they know a lot of stuff, right? And I could feel, my son just looked at me and he went, oh my God, dad, it's not a paedophile. If it was a paedophile, we'd know. Like he literally said that out <laughs> and I went red. I went, what do you mean? He goes, dad, when we play these games, we kind of all know each other on here. And he says, if somebody comes in here and we're not really sure of the name, we block them or cut them out or just don't let them in. So I just thought that was amazing. That, so maybe we don't need to worry too much about them. Yeah. A lot of kids are very smart. They're very, mm. very competent. They know what they're doing and they will talk to each other and sort a lot of stuff out. And gaming, like you say, gaming's amazing. People mm. are generally not doing it alone anymore. They're doing it with their friends and they're yeah. using it to communicate with their friends. Relationships have started through gaming. Like it's a fantastic thing. People are getting social support through it. In the lockdown, it's been incredible for adults and kids. Yeah. Um, like you said, people are spending quite a bit of time doing it. But there's this perception that if you're spending a long time doing something, it must be bad for you. Um, yes. you know, it's not necessarily. Now, if it's interfering with your life so that it's causing you negative consequences, then it's a problem. But it's not a problem unless that's happening. So if you're spending six hours gaming and you're still managing to stay on top of your schoolwork or your, your mm. regular work, um, you're still maintaining your relationships, then that's not a problem. That's just something you like doing. If a kid was spending six hours a day reading, we would not be considering it a problem, which is what I did when I was a kid. Yeah, but I didn't game, but I read. Yeah, <laughs> Nobody's I, talking about that as being pathological. But I remember parents going, oh my God, she's in there reading again. I mean, she needs to get out. She needs to get out. So it doesn't really matter what we do. They're always going to be going, oh, that's too much. I'm doing too much. Too much is something, but, yeah. <laughs> so as a parent, is it just better just to let go and just go with the flow and just let them game and let them do whatever they do and we just keep a little eye on it? Yes. Once you're keeping a good eye on it, depending the age, of course, at which they're at, you know, keep a, a much closer eye on the 13 year old than you would the 18 year old. Um, but making sure you have a good sense of what's going on, if possible, join in. Um, now, on yeah. social media, that doesn't work quite so well. So as soon as any, <laughs> yeah. any of us old people join social yeah. media, they find a new one. No, but, you, <laughs> but you're like, you're basically like a red light. You join yeah. it and they go, burp, burp, and yeah. they go, oh, my God, that is my <laughs> yeah. dad. Get off. And you're like, what? I'm just coming in to say hi. <laughs> <laughs> and even on things like Facebook, when all the parents joined to keep an eye on their kids, yeah. um, there was a piece of research done by one of our master's students in cyberpsychology that I supervised and we published it. And it basically showed the kids fully understood that anything they put in their timeline, their parents could see. So they're very careful about what they put in that and everything else happened in messaging. Oh <laughs> so they my know God. what to do. They know how to manage their privacy. They're very, very smart and they're very um, adept at managing technology. But of course, there are some who will be more vulnerable than others. So yeah. kids with, say, an intellectual disability or kids who have very low self-esteem or other problems going on. So a lot of the kids that have problems also have other things going on outside of social media or cyberbullying or things like that, where they're not fully supported maybe in their life or they have a difficult home life or there's other stuff going on. And they are definitely more vulnerable than other kids because they don't have the support of a parent who's there maybe to talk to them about everything mm. or they find it more difficult. Um, so there are, there's definitely things to watch out for if your kid falls into one of those groups. Um, but most kids are actually really, really fine online. Oh, good. And so can I, and can I ask you before you go, cause I'm like, oh, again, we're running out of time. Uh, the, what, what is your view? Like with the online dating, just to go back into that just real quick with, uh, 
like people with disabilities that have to try and go on online dating. I've seen you kind of looking into that kind of lesbian, uh, bisexual, transgender. Like that's a whole different world for them, isn't it? When they're it trying to do is. that. Um, so there's, there's very little research on um, a lot of minority groups in general in how they behave online. Mm. Um, and it's something that a lot of researchers like myself are trying to address and trying to make our research more inclusive. Um, but for example, there was a bit of research on people with disabilities being online in general and making friends online and communicating online. And one of the key things that came out of it was that the thing they liked most about it was the control over when they could reveal that they had a disability or not. So for someone with a physical disability, that's obvious when you meet them, a lot of people will treat them differently, um, patronizingly, they'll look down on them, think they're not you know, intelligent, all these kind of um, stereotypes around disability. And what people found was that online, you know, they couldn't be seen. So they could choose when to reveal that they were disabled after they'd gotten to know people and made friends. Um, and that was a really powerful thing for them, that they were able to be accepted as who they are and not immediately dismissed or, or perceived in a particular way. So it can be a very positive thing. With something like online dating, it could be a good thing in that regard. But then the difficulty comes about when to reveal it. Um, and dealing with people's reactions when you do reveal it. Um, people with autism have found um, online dating quite useful because they find it easier to communicate online a lot of the time. And so oh, yeah. a lot of the difficulties they have face-to-face -face with trying to date are reduced by meeting somebody online and stuff like that as well. I suppose the smart thing to do is, is to reveal it early and just let people know early, early, like straight away. Is that Would that be a thing? That's generally the rule um, with, with anything that you have to yeah. reveal that could potentially be something that would be a deal breaker for people is reveal it early enough. But you also want people maybe to get to know you a bit before you reveal it so that it's not immediately cutting off someone. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a tricky balance to find. You don't want to wait six months and then go, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so what, just before we finish, um, we're going to end on this one, I think. So what can people do to protect their mental health while they're online? Like what's the best okay so there's approach. a that's that's kind of a huge okay question. sorry but then why i know exactly because everybody's different they're all different yeah. genders what are you talking about you might as well ask me how what all the different cats are thinking right now yeah. but, but is there is there a nugget can you give us a nugget maybe so some simple things that people can do is um make sure that when you're being online on something like social media, that you're actually connecting with people, that you're engaging, that you're not just browsing and comparing yourself to other people. So that's a big one. Um, use social media in a positive way. So one of the good things about online disinhibition that I was talking about earlier that makes people maybe say things that they wouldn't say offline is that it allows us to talk more freely um, in a positive way as well. So that's why you'll see a lot of people going on to um, support sites and support groups because they can talk about things they might not be able to do offline. So if you're struggling a bit, online can be a really good place to talk about it or even texting somebody. It can be easier than saying something face-to-face. -face. Um, with kids, I would say keep an eye out for changes in their behavior that indicates that maybe something negative is going on, but generally allow them to connect with their friends because that is positive and it gives them a lot of social support. And it's really important for them. And I think we've seen that in the lockdown. So a lot of the yeah. negative conversation about spending too much time online, we've realized how important it is during the lockdown. And it doesn't become less important as we get out of lockdown. Connecting with people is like one of the most fundamental human things that we need. And 
So using technology in a way that allows us to do that is really important. And if you notice that it's getting too much, take a step back from it. Um, take a few days off. You know, people talk about digital detox. Yeah. It doesn't have to be shut down everything and never come back to it. It's fine to take some time away from it. I frequently take time away from Twitter because it gets a little much. But I also found it to find it to be incredibly supportive for my career, for my research. Yeah. I've connected with so many people. It's so interesting. I've learned so much from it. But sometimes you need to take a break from things. Well, Dr. Nicola Fox Hamilton, you've now changed my view on gaming and phoning and screen time and online dating. It's all turned all positive. So well done. Your I'm kids going to love me. I know. I'm going to say my 13 year old's going to go, you see, I told you seven hours on Fortnite was fine. <laughs> So thanks a million. Once he's, once he's eating. Oh my, <laughs> oh my God, eating and sleeping. That's what he's yeah. doing as he's, as he's playing it. So, but I mean, of course, the only negativity about being online all the time, uh, and I'm one of the victims of it, was uh, buying, buy, impulse buying. And I bought uh, a back shaver from China. And it didn't... It, it, too it, much information. It didn't really do. It, it, it wasn't the best. So yeah, so people, be careful what you buy online because I... A back shaver is just not needed. <laughs> but look, listen, thanks again. Thanks again, Nicola. You're brilliant. Okay. You're very welcome. So that was Dr. Nicola Fox Hamilton, cyber psychologist and uh, and working in cyber psychology. And of course, when we think about that, we just go, cyber, cyber, what did you do? Cyberspace? But that was great talking to her. I mean, the online dating thing was amazing to find out that it is actually quite safe and that most people are telling the truth. So we got loads of positive stuff out there. So if you're online dating, just keep going with it. And look, at the end of the day, if you don't like them, once you meet them, it's only one date. And as she said, go for a coffee. Don't spend it and like loads of money on a dinner and, you know, always meet in the public place, as they say. And, and so that, that was all good. And then me having children. Oh my God, I just, I felt so good because then she went, well, you know, being on, being online and on screens and everything is not bad for them. It, you know, it's good because it helps them for their, their, their socializing with their other mates and they, you know, get to, get to see what's going on. And of course, we, as parents, we'll all just look out for those telltale signs, telltale signs of when they're, uh, they're not being themselves, I suppose. That's, that's, that's one thing we'll notice as parents, but. All the kids listening in, you just can keep on gaming and stay in your social media because the doctor said so. <laughs> okay, once again, thanks a million for listening to us. I've been Jason Byrne, that's Mind Your Loaf, and that was Dr. Nicola Fox Hamilton. Ah, uh, you've been listening to Jason Byrne and this has been Mind Your Loaf. If you like this episode, please subscribe and tell your friends. And don't forget, if you or somebody you know is going through a tough time, there's professional mental health support online from counselling to support groups, all available for free to anyone from Ireland at turntome.ie. Mind your loaves, everybody, and keep on gaming. Turn To Me provides professional mental health support. Ah, uh, Jason, oh. do your, uh, you know, your ad voice. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. Okay, I'll do a proper ad thing. Okay, ready? Yeah. As a registered charity, Turn To Me provides professional mental health support online for anyone in Ireland going through a tough time. From one-to-one counselling to group and peer support, Turn To Me is accessible from any device anywhere in Ireland. If you would like to support Turn To Me, you can donate €4 by texting Turn To Me to 50300. Text costs €4. Turn To Me will receive a minimum of €3.60 service provider-like charity. Helpline 070. 
Is that you? Yeah, that was actually me okay. there. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 